Hey y'all, it's Danielle, and a welcome to episode 42 of Ain't No Free Lunch. Tykeen and I talk it up in WRIR Studios 97.3 FM about this new thing called universal basic income. Well, it's actually not new in the words of Tykeen. Well, actually. <laughs> but springboarding from a discussion of the new projects of Mayor Michael Tubbs of Stockton, California, that the HBO documentary Stockton on My Mind highlighted, we explain exactly what UBI is and how we see it being the way of the future. When the collective comes together to support one another, magic can happen, y'all. All right, let's eat. Wow. So it feels like it's been longer than a week since the last time we recorded, but it actually hasn't been. Yeah, a lot has happened over the past seven days. We had the Lebanon explosion Mm -hmm. in Beirut. Donald Trump is doing what Donald Trump does. Shock and awe. Shock and awe. Ban TikTok. (laughs) He was mad at those the Zoomers for messing up his rally. We had the unredacted Inspector General report in Virginia about the parole board. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And, you know, I am waiting to see what happens about that with bated breath. Uh, I mean, also, I think Cori Bush in Missouri, uh, she is a progressive candidate that unseated Clay. I have to go back and, and look at it, but it's kind of like an AOC type situation where you have a progressive candidate. She's not as young as AOC. I think she's like in her 40s, but kind of come from out of, not out of that woodwork because she did run against uh, him previous to this, but kind of unseating a Democratic progressive candidate unseating an incumbent Democrat. And so it's a huge deal. And I think his father held this seat prior to him holding the seat. So apparently this is going to be the first time that St. Louis is going to have a representative who does not have the last name Clay in like 51 years. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Side note, I'm still a fan of term limits. I'm always a fan of term limits. That's the one thing. When people are like, is there anything that Donald Trump has said that you kind of get on board with? And I'm like, term limits. That's always my easy, like, middle ground. Like, he thinks there should be term limits. I think there should be term limits. Does he really think that there should be term limits? I don't really know. But. I'm capping his term at one, I hope. That's the hope. That's the hope. So, y'all, I officially uh, voted for I don't know if we ever share here, but I'm a national delegate for the Biden campaign this year. Oh, I don't think we did. Sorry, my voice got so high. I was so excited. (laughs) And, of course, there won't be an in-person convention. In Milwaukee, right? In Milwaukee. But I officially uh, voted to endorse Vice President Biden to serve as a Democratic nominee for president. Right. And that is your personal endorsement and not an endorsement by WRIR 97.3 for clarification. Yes. (laughs) Because they so graciously allow us to broadcast across Richmond. And so I'm glad that you were able to have that. That's that's a huge thing to to be a national delegate. Yeah, you know, it's a lot of responsibility for me because behind the scenes, I'm a whip 
as mm. well. Mm-hmm. And this is like we've never voted this way before. Yeah. And so then you have some people who say, hey, I don't have Internet, so they need to mail me my ballot so I can mail it back. Wow. And that so. takes us down a whole other road of like mail-in voting, absentee voting, just so everyone knows that mail-in voting and absentee voting, they are the same thing. But we should totally have a conversation about that as we get closer to the election and more people are considering their options for whomever you want to vote for, how you can make sure that your vote is counted under the current conditions of COVID-19. Yes. So while we're here in Virginia, now we have no excuse absentee voting, Mm -hmm. but you still have to have a witness. Okay. And some people are saying, hey, and rightfully so, they're saying, hey, like, this is a concern. If I live by myself, I have to potentially put myself or someone else at exposure to sign off and witness my ballot. Yeah, that's that's a whole other podcast that we'll get into because, you know, Oregon's been voting by mail since I don't know how long. But what we are talking about is something else that's, I guess, people would think is even more liberal than vote by mail or absentee balloting. And it's the concept of a universal basic income, UBI. Yes. So shout out to Mayor Tubbs in Stockton, California. Right, right, right. Both of us, we watch the documentary. Stockton on on my mind. And so, yeah, I guess we'll we'll just kind of talk about that a little bit. I first came in contact with now Mayor Tubbs when he was on council. Okay, city council in Stockton, California, which for clarification for those of you who are not familiar with California, which before I moved to the Bay, I was not <laughs> familiar with. It's kind of like this north northern California city that's a little bit further to the west. So it's not necessarily in the Bay. It's about like, mm, I want to say two to three hours, depending on you know how you're traveling, whether it's by the BART, which is their kind of like metro system or by car from where I am in Palo Alto at Stanford to get to Stockton. Yes. And so I want to shout out Amber Clifford. She's the person who introduced me to to Mayor Stubbs. So Amber Clifford and I used to have a standing phone conversation every Thursday night before Scandal. Oh, my goodness. Um, Let's not go back down the route of of scandal. Olivia Pope is still bae. Not Carrie, but Olivia Pope. (laughs) It's a difference. Olivia Pope was a mess. Carrie has her life together, but proceed. And, uh, I mean, not to to die drive here. (laughs) But Olivia Pope showed us what entanglement was. Olivia Pope was the entanglement, but proceed. What a time. What a time. So, yeah, we used to exchange emails and bounce ideas off one another. But we haven't spoken in a few years. However, he's doing the work Yeah. in Stockton. Yeah, he really is. He moved from city council. He also is a graduate of Stanford, a 2012 graduate of Stanford. We have never met, never been in contact, but we do share graduation year. Okay, shout out to 2012 grad- college graduates oh my goodness. around the reach. world. <laughs> but I first heard of um, Michael Tubbs upon getting to Stanford, which was not until... 2017, at this point, he had already been elected mayor of Stockton, California, because he was elected the same night as Donald Trump was. Hashtag reinvent Stockton. Right. And I remember getting to Stanford and hearing a lot of conversation about universal basic income, UBI, which we're going to explain in a second. But that he was a big point of conversation because he was going to pilot 
you know, attempt to pilot UBI in the city of Stockton. And the documentary, Stockton on My Mind, which if you have HBO Max, shout out to Ruby for giving me that password. Excuse me, W-R-I-R does not endorse pirating of oh, passwords. I'm pirating? Ruby just can't be in my family? Ruby's not... Listen, Ruby's my sister, moving on from there. Ruby owes us a voice memo. She too. does, she does. She said she didn't want to get slayed by her Puerto Rican <laughs> uh, besties out there. So, but we'll, we'll talk about it, we'll talk about it. But yeah, so we wa I watched it through HBO Max and it was absolutely amazing. Did, you said it made your allergies flare up, question mark? I know you didn't think that text message was sacred. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> wow. So the NDA just gets thrown out now? Like, we don't have no NDA. Show me where I signed. Wow. So in the documentary, I found it very interesting because it was somewhat biographical, mm, but it, it also highlighted the work that Mayor Tubbs is doing. The short version of his story is his mother was still in high school. His father, I don't, I don't know if he was in high school. I think or not. he was in high school too. But they were in kind of different sides of the track. His mother was in private school. His father was active in street life, mm -hmm. self-acclaimed gang member, and she got pregnant. Right at a young age, and she had him. And she had Michael, and so she. Something else I found very interesting that I heard like three different times in a the documentary. They were like, my mama don't believe in abortion. Yeah, that's a whole nother conversation around like black women, poverty, abortion. And yeah, but that's basically what she said. She said I had him because my mother didn't believe in abortion. And, 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 and my mama said. And my mama said. That you don't know who you're carrying. Right. It could be a doctor, a lawyer, a teacher. And so she was carrying, at this point, a mayor. Uh, yeah, a <laughs> mayor of Stockton. So Michael Tubbs Jr. came into the world because his father's name is Michael Tubbs Sr. Well, is he actually a junior? Because mm. his son, I don't think he and his father have the same middle name. Interesting, because they kept saying Michael Tubbs Sr. for his father. No, I guess it says born Michael Derek Tubbs. Yeah, because... So why does his dad have a senior at the end of his name? I don't know. I'm confused. But... You think he actually got his name changed? Or they just threw it up there to for but, clarification? Well, so I asked that question because at the end when, it, uh, when Michael Tubbs and his wife announced that they had a child, the child's name was Michael... Something, something. Mikhail Tubbs. Oh, okay, I didn't Jr. remember. So I just it was like Michael Mikhail Tubbs because it's like a play on her name. Oh, uh, okay. But nevertheless, his dad, so Michael Tubbs, the overwhelming majority of his life, his father has been incarcerated. Right, right. And it's it's super biographical, but I will leave that up to, you know, we don't want to spoil it. Yeah, we you. don't want to spo spoil it for you, and you should really watch it. Honestly, I thought it was very well done. It's obviously going to be, like, biased in favor of Michael Tubbs. I'm sure somebody could create an entire documentary opposing what was in there, but I felt like it was just something that was very real, very uncut. Um, there were moments in it where he he kind of turns to people and he's like, turn the camera off, or I'm not going in there with cameras on me. And so I thought that was kind of, like, very, like, proved the rawness of, of the film that we yeah. were watching. And so I want to talk about two programs before we talk about the Universal Basic Income right. pilot. 
But as a note, I received an email from Michael Tubbs today, and it wasn't really? a personal email. Oh, I was about to say, dang. Uh, but, say nothing. But the documentary is now available for free. Like, you don't have to have an HBO sign Oh, in, shout so. out. That's amazing. He always finding money. Let me put him on my fundraising team. So, speaking <laughs> of that, and something I do want to preface this conversation by saying, throughout the projects that he's piloting, throughout the city of Stockton and throughout his story, it's very prevalent that Tubbs uses private-public partnerships. Oh, yeah. He's all about private enterprise to support, like, public, the sub, support the public. Things that the public sector can't afford, right? Mm -hmm. And, of course, like, that's super taboo in Richmond. Um, I and throughout Virginia, right? Like, even down to, like, I chuckled to myself when I saw the Amazon Fulfillment Center. Mm, mm -hmm. And he was talking about how excited he was and the Amazon logo was bigger than his smile. <laughs> and I was just like, yo, like, <laughs> not in Richmond. Yeah, that's not really. Not in Northern Virginia. That's like, not people really something be people very go upset. for. But he has really figured out a way to capitalize on private dollars for the public benefit. Yes. Right. And so, you know, one of the programs that he has is basically every student who gets into college gets a scholarship. Stockton Scholars. Yes. Stockton Scholars. If, and if, if you're a mayor, this is something that you should be pushing. I mean, I think it's amazing. And it also I, I think from the documentary, they said, you know, more students were applying to college. Yeah. Like as a result. So they say, you know, you don't have to do anything but get into college and go. And this money is yours. And I think I think that's absolutely phenomenal. But you said there was another program that you wanted to talk about. Was it other than the Stockton Scholars Program? Yes, yeah, so I want to talk about the Stockton Scholars Program. And then I was also very interested in the Advanced Peace Program. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought that was really dope as well. Yeah. So in short... They said, hey, like, how do we have, for lack of better words, how do we have a street committee that has, like, a direct pipeline to the mayor's office? Right, right. And, and so, they had a direct line to the mayor's office. And so it was, I, I will share this about the story. There's this guy who was a gang member who had committed murder. And Michael Tubbs said the first time he met him, the guy was like, touching him. He was like, bro, like, what's wrong with you? No disrespect, but I ain't that type of guy where you just, like, be in my personal space. And come to find out, that was Michael Tubbs's father. Wow. Cellmate in prison for 10 years. Mm. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I said, wow, like, I had forgot I had forgotten it until you told me the story. But, yeah, and he's a an instrumental part of not only the documentary, but Advanced also Peace. Advanced Peace. Yes, um, and so, like, it's, like, restorative justice. It's like being proactive they are like they are also reactive to like shootings and such and like try to eliminate some of the the reactions and i think it really works because he has a true sense of even though he was incarcerated for 26 years he has a true sense of like the street dynamic mm. and he still has some respect and so, like, it seems like people really are responding to them. Yeah, I think that I don't know of anything like that in Richmond. I'm not saying that there isn't anything here, but it's. I think that it's a phenomenal program because, like you said, like, the respect and the response. And it's, it's a different kind of, like, you know that show, like, Scared Straight, where they bring in the kids who aren't yeah. necessarily doing what— Which is ineffective. You know, going down the, the path. 
that they should, we, which they, you know, their parents feel like they should be doing, and so they take them into the prisons and they kind of basically scare them or attempt to scare them by other people who've gotten on those paths. But it seems like it's the exact opposite of that, but with the same players, right? So students who are struggling and have needs and maybe are acting out in certain types of ways, and it's connecting them to people who have kind of like gone to prison or had to reap the consequences of those sorts of behaviors. But instead of having it being a scary relationship where I'm going to place fear in you, I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to show you and I'm going to bring you into like my space and show you how to not make the same mistakes that I did. I'm not going to scare you out of it. I'm really going to like hold your hand and like help you get to the place that you need to be. Yeah. So I thought that was amazing as well. Yeah. It was dope. And I'm curious to know, like, what does that program cost? But it wasn't just that one guy, right? Because remember the black woman, I think her name was Jasmine, the woman that they had the mural of? Right. Who actually goes to court and such? Mm -hmm. Man, they're doing the work out there. So I will say, while I'm thinking about this, the Stockton Scholars Program, I know there's something similar in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Interesting. I will... I'll preface this by saying that I thought Kalamazoo was fake until I was in, like, sixth grade. I'm done with you. No, I mean, I was like, <laughs> oh, you're going to go to Kalamazoo, right? Like, it was just something people in the country said. Right, right, I didn't right. know it was a real place. And then I was in, like, sixth grade. I read Derek Jeter's a book about him. Mm-hmm. And he's from Kalamazoo, okay. Michigan. But they have a program where, like, if you go to a public school, I think in the state of Michigan, everyone from that locality— they can go there for free. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So kind of under the premise of, like, if you go to school, if you go to high school in D.C. public schools, you or if you're a D.C. resident, you can attend any public institution around the country for an in-state rate. It's something like that. But... Man, it'd be dope if we had something like that in Virginia. I mean, it'd be dope if we had a place, something like that everywhere. I mean, the the first two places come to mind for me are like, yo, we are in the former capital of Confederacy. Like, this is, like, hey, like, this is a perfect place. Or we can go to the place where they closed schools for five years in resistance to Brown v. Board. There was no public education. Like, this is what equity looks like, y'all. <laughs> I'm just saying. (laughs) But to think about it as something... You know, tr- kind of circling it back to to universal basic income. This is these are the types of programs that we want to see nationwide, right? Like we want to see this type of investment in our children and in our youth. Let's define universal basic income. Universal basic income essentially is this, it's government guaranteed payment that every citizen receives once they reach a certain age, right? So it's called a lot of different things, uh, but we're going to refer to it as UBI. UBI. And so there are all sorts of different forms or plans of it, but it's basically like it's a no strings attached payment that doesn't require you to do anything. It doesn't require you to be anywhere. It doesn't require you to look any way or sound any way. It's just based off of You being a citizen of of the United States of America, here is what is usually, what usually is the recommendation, $1,000 a month. And so it usually comes out to about $12,000 a year per person. And this is something that really has come to- Per family. Per person. 
I've seen them usually given by families. I've seen them given by person. So if it's five people in the household, they get $5,000? Once you re reach a certain age. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's a lot of money. It's uh, per person. And at least I, maybe I'm, I, I understand it as every citizen receives a, a flat payment. And so that's also part of the, you know, the thing is universal basic income has been around for years, but it really exploded on the national scale during the uh, most recent election cycle, which we're still in the midst of, with the candidacy of Andrew, um, Andrew Yang. Yang. Yang Gang. <laughs> whose slogan was simply math. Um, that was it. It was just math. But it basically is, it, but it's been around for a very long time. Like in 1967, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., since everybody wants to pull him out like he's Santa Claus these days, basically said that universal income would abolish poverty. Like he was a proponent of universal basic income. So I, I just want people to know that while so, they get their quotes ready for Martin Luther King Jr. Day next year so, to talk about how radical he was. So, so I just want to pause you right there for okay, a second. Yeah, sorry. Because I'm so happy that you brought that up because I think so many people get hung up on 1963, Dr. King. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That I have a dream, Dr. King. Mm -hmm. And they they don't remember that he lived five years after <laughs> I have a dream, right? Yeah. And so, like, they have this sanitized idea of who Dr. King was based on this one speech a lot of times. A lot of times. And they don't even know the whole speech for real, for real. Okay. Um, but, but, but So, so yeah. let's talk about UBI in America. Okay. okay so, of course, it's prevalent in Europe, right? In places in Europe. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's well, not like like England not living off of UBI yeah. as a whole country. There's no place that I think that I know of, and maybe I could be wrong. Is there a place that's just straight up universal basic income? I know there's a state in the United States that, that does that. Alaska. But Alaska has universal basic income, and that's and another tell, thing. And tell us like, about that. So That was a response to the oil spill, right? Right. So it started out, and I have to actually figure out, remember the exact amount, because I think in Alaska, they receive more than $1,000 a month. And it might be per family, but I'm not sure about that. But they've had that for decades. And it's really, really, if you look at the, the articles on it and the data on it, until they, I think their most recent governor, it was just, it was operating swimmingly. It reduced poverty. It People were, they were like running, um, I don't want to say experiments on people because that's not what they were doing. They were observing and collecting data about what was happening. Usually in instances of universal basic income, they're finding that less than 1% of people actually stop working when they receive these types of payments. And most of those people stop working to care for their children, their very, very young children. And so it was just this program that Alaska adopted and just never yielded. And they, and they called the Alaska Permanent Fund Dividend. Exactly. Uh, since 1982, Alaska has been giving every woman, man, and child okay, an so it's annual not families. chunk of its nest egg of the $66.3 billion permanent fund. Right. And so But they pay out one to two thousand dollars per year. Okay, so per I, person. I I knew it was something in, in there, but oh so it's per person a year, not the month. Okay. That's a good clarification. But it it most people were spending it on groceries and that's that's why where we recycle back to, you know, Michael Tubbs, right? Because that is something what he's really known for right now is not Stockton Scholars, it's not Advanced Peace, it's for his pilot of the universal basic income UBI in Stockton. And so there are all sorts of like just 
misunderstandings about what it is. Yes. I, you know, people. So let's give let's give our listeners a Reader's Digest version. Okay, let's do that. They give what is it? One hundred families in Stockton. In Stockton, five hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. of no strings. Attached, attached cash. They all they want to know is what did you do with it? Honestly. Yeah, well, yeah. I, I mean, and there is unconditional, right? So if people say I went out and bought, I bought out this weekend. I went out to the club. Like, okay, cool. Like you're entertainment. Still five hundred. Right? You're still getting your five hundred dollars the very next month. There is nothing that's that you're do that you can do to prevent that money from rolling in. Yes, and I'm. Uh, I will. I also want to shout out the Magnolia Trust Fund. Mm-hmm. In Jackson, Mississippi. Right. And they are doing something similar. Okay. But they are only working with black women. Interesting. They give them $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. I want to say it's only like 20 women. But I want to give you a little bit of their uh, data. The percent of participants participating having three meals a day at home for their family. Before the program, 32%. During the program, 75%. Mm-hmm. Percent of participants able to pay all bills without additional support went from 37 to 80. Percent of participants with a completed high school education went from 63 to 85. They pay over $10,000 worth of debt down in a year as a, collectively. And so, like, this is really becoming a national conversation. And, but I think Stockton, they're doing it on a larger scale more than anyone else right now. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this pilot was just extended for six more months. Oh, and, and I think it's going to continue to be extended, right? So one of the things that Tubbs, like we said, is really good at it doing is turning private dollars into public funds. Um, and he got seed money of, I think, $20 million from an anonymous donor, which is probably the founder of Snapchat, who he also went to Stanford with. But Yeah, he said he had a conversation and was like, hey, I, I need you, bro. And then he had a check for 20 mil. Which is crazy. You but... know, like, and I remember, like, Oprah gave him a considerable donation for his mayoral candidacy. Right. Like, but... he brought Common in to mm-hmm. talk mm-hmm. Um, one, at a concert. One of the things, though, that I want listeners to kind of register is that one of the biggest complaints about UBI is how are we going to pay for it? Yes. That's the biggest thing. So, like, if we take this from 100, you know, we have 100 people in Stockton, right? But we're going to mass produce this for the, I don't know, 300 million Americans. Are there 300 million Americans? Yes. Okay, great. Thank you for that. So, so the question (laughs) is, does everyone, should everyone get this extra dividend or money? Right. Or should we limit it based upon how much money they earn or something? And so, and, and that's a big thing. So, it's not even. Even before we get to that, people are just like, how do you pay for this period? And one of the things that people, one of my biggest arguments, because I am a universal basic income fan, I think that it's phenomenal. And one of the things that I I want people to understand is it doesn't necessarily have to come from your tax dollars, right? And that's what a lot of people are like, well, if we do it this way, does it come straight from our tax dollars? There's two ways that people talk about this, right? So one of the ways is that it will either replace current like social welfare programs like Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security, 
charity, welfare. I'm not a big fan of replacing those programs, instead making it an addition to those programs. So it can do that. Or people say that it'll, uh, and which is like tax funded, right? So that's a tax funded pot. Or there's this thing, I, I watched this really interesting YouTube about it and really researched it. There are some people who are talking about stock capital. Right. So Google makes a lot of money because we all use Google. True. Right. Amazon makes a lot of money because we all choose to use Amazon. True. So, you know, here's my pitch is we are all contributors. We are all workers in some ways for this stock capital that is created. Not necessarily just the money that's poured in, but the stock capital that's created. So why don't we skim off of these ginormous capitals that, that these companies are bringing in, where you have these large swaths of people where if the GDP goes up, we see that it's actually going up for just a few people. GDP actually shrank 33% yes. last week. Yes, it and, did. And next thing we know, we, heard, we had someone saying we need to extend the election, but... <laughs> But like instead of instead of doing that, you know how people get like stock options into companies and things like that. Yes. Severing a portion of that for the public welfare. So portions of stock capital. So you said a public option. Public options that are automatic to stock capital that automatically gets reinvested back into the people who make Google run, who buy from Amazon, who make all of these things tick and run, even as passive consumers. I think we're owed some of that money back. That's an easy, easy way. So nobody, it comes out of nobody's tax dollars. You don't have to completely destroy um, systems that other people have because if you get rid of like social security, welfare, and you just get the give like a flat rate, right? Then you have people who don't may not necessarily need the financial bump get that, but then other people might see their rates decrease from the funds that they need, right? And so I am pitching stock capital for a way to fund universal basic income. I am not an economist. I am not a financial guru, but somebody out there is, and I know you can make it happen. So this is my question. Are you willing to give everyone this universal basic income, or are we going to cap it at like a certain income level? As of right now, and this is something that I'm still investigating, I'm in favor of giving everyone the universal basic income bump. Even though there's some people I know who don't need it, but what I what I want us to avoid getting into is this space where we have where we have social welfare right now, right? So this is this is my my issue with social welfare. If you make one dollar over your whatever income it is that you bring in, right? Um, well, not income. So if you if you get a job under welfare conditions right now and you go one dollar over what is considered to be your cap. Um, your cap. All of your benefits disappear immediately. There's no step down. There's no step down. And so what that does is it disincentivizes people from getting those types of jobs, right? That that if you are in this space where, like, let's be realistic. A lot of people who are using these types of social services, they don't just, like, go and go to school and then the next year be making $60,000 more than what they were using the year, making the year before. Even if I make 
$500 more than what the cap is, those services go away, but then I am literally on my own to figure out things. So it disincentivizes people to push past that cap if they can only marginally push past that so cap. basically you're saying that for all of these services we need step down programs we need step down programs i you know you can have your maybe you know and i'm still working my way through it right i don't want anybody to say that like this is gold but like and maybe a reduction in services as you move up instead of it literally is just a cutoff and so i am very weary of having a cutoff likewise for universal basic income because this is stuff like when people again when people get ubi their doctor's visits the number of times they go to the doctor increase they're more likely to go to the doctor. They're more likely to go to the dentist. They're more likely to go back to school. They're more likely to pay for things for their children. Their children eat better. Their overall health improves. So why would we take that away from people? And we could also, I mean, people greedy out here in these streets, you could also do a whole like, I know people won't do it, but I would be inclined to, if I don't need that money, to reinvest it back into that stock capital that goes back to the public public good. But, you know, people don't want to listen to it because also people think that UBI is socialism. As a person who is not mad at socialism, I need y'all to understand that it is UBI is not socialism because it still retains the notion of mass private property and the ability to gain through a capitalist society. So that's just off to the side. I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that socialism is bad. I'm just saying UBI ain't socialism. But proceed. I, I definitely got on my soapbox just now. she got all of them soapbox dropped the mic and then told me you can speak now? My goodness. I'm a fan of UBI, and there's just so many people who don't understand and just shoot it down without trying to pick through the pieces. So how do we bring this to fruition? Mm. So in our local communities. Okay. I think that's a really fair question. So, you know, one of the reasons why Michael Tubbs was able to do what he did was because he, you know, he went to Stanford and and had access to a whole lot a whole bunch of capital. I think that we really need to be doing one education of what exactly UBI is. There's education to electeds, to philanthropy, to the business sector, or all the above. I mean all of the above to the general public you have people you know people hated social security as a concept and wanted to vote against it until they got it right you know what i'm saying people hated obamacare until they got it right and I mean, now there's i mean i mean as someone who calls a whole bunch of people <laughs> asking them to vote they still hate obamacare but they love the affordable care act right <laughs> Right. Until until they got it. And so like making sure and I think a lot of that is embedded in misinformation. And so making sure that everyone, all of the above students, people, um, you know, everyday people understand what is UBI? How does it benefit? How does it differ from the status that we have now? How does it improve life underneath of our present day society? I think that's a really big deal is to just like educate people on that, number one. Number two, I think we need to, and I'm going to say this and I'm going to get flack for it, not have such serious purity tests for private income that could benefit the public sector. Say that one more time. Um, <laughs> 
I just, I don't like that the idea that if it comes from a private company, it cannot be used for social goods for the public. I think that that is us, because this is what's going to happen. These private industries are doing what they want to do anyway. They've been doing what they want to do for however long and what we have we been doing not benefiting or trying to figure out how can we benefit from this tomfoolery that they put on the table. Unless we are shutting them down and starting from scratch, what we need to be doing is we need to be coming to the table and saying like, this is the foolery you've been doing. We're not putting up with it anymore so run us these coins so we can fix the issues that we have. Social responsibility every, every company has a social responsibility office run these coins up get this oh, money yeah. oh, and yeah. use it for the public i mean and they were very busy at the beginning of june with those perfectly curated black lives matter statements exactly so let's 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 put the you know our foot on the pedal and put and, your money where your mouth is what get, she said tell them why you mad coins. Danielle. tell them why you mad but like what the problem is is there's so many people who are so caught up and it came from the private sector that they are blinded to the fact that the private sector really don't care and they're going to do what they're going to do so long as we tell people that we can't take money because it comes from x y and z y'all just ain't gonna have no money so Man, like how do we bring about universal basic income until we get something where we are really skimming off and setting aside stock capital for the public interest for public good public, public private, private partnerships are going to have to happen and to, unless we are collectivizing the money and bringing down the banks and all that other good stuff shout out to elizabeth warren i hope you're treasury secretary but i feel like you, you we have to stop with the purity test we ha we have to have ethics we have to have morals we have to do that but at the same time people are out here beating us over the head and we're getting nothing out of it hey well thank you for saying that danielle you know <laughs> that's been my philosophy for a very long time in in the work that we both do mm -hmm. right you don't have permanent friends nope. nor do you have permanent enemies you can't afford to you have permanent interests mm -hmm. and so sometimes we'll be able to work together and other times we won't mm-hmm it ain't personal. It is what it is. And so I look forward for the opportunity to work with every organization possible. Mm -hmm. Let's bring UBI to Richmond. Let's bring UBI. Let's make UBI a national thing. Well, actually. Well, actually. <laughs> yeah. Hey, let's do this, y'all. Yeah. All right. Uh, did we eat today? You know. Minus me yelling into the void. <laughs> you know, Danielle, like, this is something that you're really, really passionate about. Like, I appreciate you sharing the documentary with me, like, mm -hmm. telling me to watch it. Something I did want to say in there. I felt very, very interesting in the uh, documentary, and I've never seen this any other place. Anna Tubbs, the partner and wife of Michael Tubbs. Yeah. She, like, they identify her as the first partner of Stockton. Did you peep that? As the first what? Partner of Stockton. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah. And I, I've never seen that, like, any other married couple, like, identify that way. No, I haven't either, but I'm into it. Let's, yeah. let's be inclusive. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
we want to thank everybody who checks in with us listening with 97.3 FM WRIR radio. Shout out to Melissa Vaughn, our amazing, amazing producer. Melissa Vaughn, have a dawn. We just wanted you all to know we actually haven't said this in a very long time, but if you're, you're checking in with us through the radio, we have we are on all podcast platforms. So Spotify, um, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts. If you miss us on a Tuesday morning at 10 a.m., that's fine. Just subscribe on your cell phone and you'll hear our voices coming through. So I really enjoy talking about UBI. I know Coop really enjoyed talking about UBI. We won't tell you about how he came to, to being a fan, but uh, thanks for listening. We'll see you next week.